As we come to God's Word tonight, we are continuing a series through Hebrews 11. Before we look at our verses for this evening, I want us to remember why this chapter is here. The author of this letter thought his readers needed to be encouraged to endure, to resist the temptation to shrink back and to give up. The chapter is bookended with this idea. If we look back at chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. There is a need that they have for endurance. And then if we skip ahead to chapter 12, the first verse, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the author in chapter 10 is saying, you have a need for endurance. And in chapter 12 says, therefore run with endurance. And right between these, we have chapter 11. He wanted to exhort the people to stand firm, to push through, to finish the race. We, 2,000 years later, face the same temptations to shrink back. We need the same encouragement. Persevering in faith can seem too hard, too divisive, too costly. So where do we find the motivation to press on? There are many different places that the Christian can look for help in continuing in the life of faith, but one that has regularly been most helpful my personal life is the testimony of those who have gone before, those who are ahead of me or who have already finished the race. Reading of their faith and the outcome of their faith encourages me to continue in my faith. And here is what the author of Hebrews does in Hebrews 11. Between the need for endurance and the encouragement to run with endurance, he gives us chapter 11. A strong reminder that looking at God's faithfulness in the lives of those who have gone before, seeing the outcome of their faith will continue to help us to press on in our day. It's what the people in his day needed. It's what we need today. Help in running with perseverance or endurance one comment quickly before we look at the text. This is written to help those who have faith to keep going. It is written specifically to those who have put their faith in God. And so this sermon will be directed to that same audience. If you are here or listening tonight and you have not placed your faith in God, I am glad that you came to listen in. My hope is that it gives you an inside look of what faith does in the life of a person and encourages you to consider entrusting yourself to God through faith. And if you are a Christian here tonight, as we look at verses 32 through 38, it's my hope that you will find encouragement to endure whatever comes by faith. Before we look at the text, let's pray towards that end. Father, as we look at your word tonight, would you illuminate our hearts and minds? Would you give us understanding? And would you shape us 
Would you shape us according to your word? Would you shape us according to your son that we might live more and more a life of faith to the praise and honor of your name. In the precious name of your son Christ we pray, amen. If you have ever been to a fireworks show, you know the pattern. They start slow, shooting off one or two rockets at a time. You ooh and ah as you see the color and hear the explosions in the sky and you watch the embers as they fade and watch the last one streak across the sky. That's not how they finish. When they come to the end, they come to the grand finale, they start shooting off multiple rockets at the same time and one follows another, which follows another, which follows another. There's an overwhelming amount of sound and sight almost too much to take in. Tonight, I think we come to the grand finale of Hebrews 11. So far, we have been able to focus on the specifics of Abraham and Moses and others. We've been able to look at the details of their lives and the intricacies of what their faith looked like. But tonight, we trade detail for breadth. There isn't much that we will see in these verses that we have not already seen in the previous 31. Many of the same themes and truths that have shown up previously are reiterated to show the breadth and scope of these realities and to further strengthen the people of faith to live by faith. Let us read these passages, or these verses here, 32 through 38, the grand finale of Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. As we consider this passage, I want us to consider two things that are realities for the men and women of faith we read about in this passage and are true for you today who have been reconciled to God through faith. First, that faith transforms worldly people, and second, that faith transcends worldly circumstances. So first, faith transforms worldly people. Look again at verse 32. What more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets. So far in Hebrews 11, the author has traced the faith of people from the very beginning, Abel and the first family, up until Rahab and the conquering of Jericho as the people of Israel enter the promised land. In biblical history, this is from Genesis through Joshua, but now in these verses, 
he summarizes the last 33 books of the Old Testament, summarizing the judges, the kings, and the prophets. The author is expanding the scope from the founding fathers and events of the nation of Israel to their whole history. He's saying it's not just for the beginning that this, these things ring true. They always have and they always will. Faith is not just for Abraham and Moses and Abel and Noah. Faith is for all of God's people. But take a look at the specific names that are mentioned. Gideon won a great battle against a much larger army without anyone lifting a sword. But he also doubted God's call to lead the people of Israel. And after that victory, he led them into idolatry as their leader. Barak doubted the word of God in a similar way. Samson delivered Israel from the hand of the Philistines, but broke his covenant with God and was perpetually distracted by women. Jephthah again led God's people to great victory, but made a rash vow and sacrificed his own daughter. Then David, King David, he did many great things. He defeated Goliath in one-on-one -on -one combat and subdued numerous other nations. He was the one that all future kings would be compared against, and he received the promise that someone from his family would sit on the throne of Israel forever, and yet he committed adultery and murder and pridefully conducted a census in disobedience to God. Doubt, idolatry, sensuality, child sacrifice, adultery, murder, pride, not exactly the first traits that we think of when we think of faithful saints of the past. But what we see and what we have seen throughout Hebrews 11 and what you see really throughout the whole narrative of Scripture that faith is not for perfect people. Faith is not just for the patriarchs. It is also not for perfect people. To come to God in faith does not require cleaning yourself up and making yourself presentable. In fact, as the hymn writer says, the only fitness God requires is to know your need of Him. Are you imperfect? Don't give up. Press on. Be encouraged. Faith is for imperfect people. But faith doesn't stop at just accepting imperfect people. Faith changes those people. Look at verse 37. Imperfect people who have turned to God in faith are described as those of whom the world is not worthy. The world does not deserve these people what does that mean? Didn't we just think about all the terrible things that some of them have done? How could the world not be worthy of such as these? I think that Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 helps us to understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. In Philippians, Paul writes to the church, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And if you are following in your Bible, there is a footnote at the bottom that explains the phrase, let your manner of life be worthy. It says, in the Greek, it can be translated, behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does it mean to have the world not be worthy of people? It means if you have faith, you do not belong any longer to the world. You belong to God 
through Jesus Christ. You have been called to live in a manner that befits one who belongs to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other side of that coin is that the world no longer has a claim on you. You are not citizens of this world any longer. The men and women of these verses are citizens of another land, a higher land. And so are you. And as such, they were gifts to the world of whom the world and, and of the world of whom the world was undeserving of. They were citizens of heaven through faith, temporarily dwelling on earth as ambassadors. Brothers and sisters, that is what is true of you. You and I, united to God through faith in Christ, are belong to another world. The world, this world, is not worthy of us. It has no claim on us. So be encouraged. Don't lose heart, but press on in faith. You have been transformed from worldly to those of whom the world is not worthy, which radically alters how you relate to the events of this world and leads us to our second point, faith transcends worldly circumstances. At a citizen of heaven, faith gives you a heavenly perspective on earthly situations. One of the great misunderstandings and dangers of Christian faith today is the idea that faith is a commercial transaction. I make some sort of deposit and I am owed a return. This is perhaps most clearly seen in the so-called prosperity gospel, which is no gospel, it is no good news at all. The idea that if you put your faith in God, you should expect financial security, physical health, relational ease, overall comfortable life. Faith is not a work that binds God into meeting your demands for whatever you think a good life might be. If this is your idea of what a Christian, the Christian faith is, please hear me say that this is not faith. But even those who are tempted, not tempted to embrace the full theology of prosperity preachers, there is still the temptation in subtle ways to embrace the same understanding of faith as a meritorious work which earns God's favor. I spent good time in Bible study and prayer this morning. Shouldn't my day be going better? I go to church morning and evening. I give financially. Why is my marriage still so difficult? Why do I still lack that one thing that I so long for? Why aren't I getting the grades I need to get into this school or that program? Doesn't God want me to be happy? Or others in an effort to avoid this pitfall, have swung so far as to fall off the other side of the road. They believe that the harder my life is, the more faithful I must be. But it's the same lie that our worldly circumstances are determined by how faithful we are and that we can judge how faithful we have been by looking at our worldly circumstances. We want to judge the usefulness and the value or validity of our faith by the situations we find ourselves in. Things going well, faith must work. Things going poorly, not sure that this whole trusting in God thing is all it's cracked up to be. 
but it's all interpreting faith through the lens of our circumstances rather than the other way around. And our text teaches us something radically different. If we look, some of those who had faith conquered. Some were imprisoned. Some experienced triumph, others trials. Some met with success, others with suffering. Some escaped the edge of the sword, some died by the sword. And they were all living by faith. So it is clear that faith makes no promise about comfort in this world. But that doesn't mean that faith makes no promise at all. Look at verse 35. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. There seems to be some decision that they could have made that would have meant they would have been released from this torture or imprisonment, likely recanting their faith in the face of persecution, If they had denounced Christ, they could have been released. But they didn't do it. And the text tells us why they didn't do it, that they might rise again to a better life, eternal life. Just before, in the same verse, there were two sons were given back to women, at least two that we know of in the Old Testament, They were resurrected to life, but this was a different kind of life because they would go on to die again. But those who refused release were waiting to rise again to a better eternal life. And ultimately, this is what faith does. It gives us eyes that see beyond the temporary circumstances of this world. If one would gain all the world has to offer, And has faith, he remains unimpressed. God is so much better, and it all pales in comparison with what is coming. If I lose everything in this life, as a man of faith, I still have God, and so I have everything I need, and it was all temporary anyway. But it doesn't mean that we don't live our lives. It doesn't mean we're not impacted by our lives, but faith helps us to look to what is of true worth. Which is why Paul could say that he could be content whether he had much or little and why he calls the church in Corinth to fix their eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is unseen is temporary. What is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Wherever you find yourself in this world, We want to look to the world that's coming. If you find earthly success, there is no shame in that, but don't place your hope in it. If you find yourself downtrodden, there's no shame in that, but don't despair. Faith makes no promise of comfort or ease in this life, but it makes every promise for a better life to come for those who live by faith. Whatever your circumstances are, Whatever you encounter down the road, I want these stories to encourage you. Do not lose heart. Stand firm in the faith because faith has transformed you. 
from a citizen of this world to a citizen of heaven, which means your worldly circumstances are transcended by heavenly realities. So I hope that you can see that faith is not simply a mental affirmation of certain statements. Faith is a gift from God that powerfully shapes and changes those who possess it. As the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Through faith, God gives his people new hearts, new identity, new family, new citizenship. And this transformation of the person helps them to see the eternal realities that transcend their earthly circumstances. But it is not always easy to see that in the moment, is it? Which is why the stories of the past are so helpful. When we are struggling to see things from an eternal perspective, when we are tempted to give up, we can look back and see how faith sustained, delivered, strengthened, comforted, provided for God's people in the past. And we can cling to the truth that we have the same faith in the same God. And we can get up and we can press on. So with the time we have left, I want to look back at some of these people, at the bright display of the power of faith in God that is those who have gone before. We don't have time for detail, but we will look at them in short bursts. First, consider the circumstances that faith transcended for some of these people. Gideon was vastly outnumbered, but by faith defeated the enemy. Samson through his own doing, was weak and humiliated by the enemy, and yet by faith regained his strength for one last act to deliver God's people. David stood up for God's name in the face of a giant and by faith was victorious. Isaiah, tradition says, was sawn in two at the end of his life, but by faith proclaimed the word of God to a people that he was told in advance would not listen. Daniel, by faith, prayed to God even when it was outlawed and was delivered from the mouths of lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, by faith, entrusted themselves to God, refusing to worship King Nebuchadnezzar and facing death by fire. And they were delivered. The widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite woman with Elijah and Elisha, by faith, received back their sons from the dead. Do you ever feel outnumbered, humiliated, discouraged, weakened by your own sin, ignored, or small? Does it ever feel like people don't respond how you know they should, that standing up for God will result in losing a friend or a job, that you have suffered irredeemable loss, that it would have been better had you never been born? which was Jeremiah's sentiment. Be encouraged. The faith that was sufficient for their circumstances is the same faith that you possess today. And consider who these people were. Jephthah was the son of a prostitute and an outcast of his people. David was the youngest in his family and left to tend the sheep. Daniel was one of the best and brightest of the Israelites, brought to Babylon to serve as an official. Gideon, by his own profession, was the least in his family and his clan was the weakest of his tribe. Samson was a man of great strength whose birth came with promises, 
of deliverance for the people? Are you outcast? Are you overlooked? Are you praised? Are you intelligent? Are you insignificant? Are you powerful? In all of these, they needed faith and you need faith. But be encouraged. The faith that these men lived and died by is the faith that you possess. And we could go on and on. This says nothing of Job and the faith through pain and suffering. Ruth, Jehoshaphat and faith in the midst of uncertainty. Josiah and faith in the midst of youth. Esther and her willingness to perish for the sake of her people. Nathan the prophet. Elijah and the faith when you feel all alone. And we could go on and on. The same faith at work in each of them and in all the men and women of faith in the thousands of years since is at work in you. So don't live in fear. Don't live in pride. Fight to endure in faith. The same God who is faithful to them will be faithful to you. And if their lives aren't testimony enough, the author of Hebrews has one more explosive rocket to shoot. In chapter 12, and this one is better than all the rest, it shines brighter and more brilliantly. In addition to all these other men and women of faith, consider Jesus. He was rejected, betrayed, humiliated, treated unjustly, nailed to a cross, and killed. And he was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God. The author of Hebrews is clear. He endured the cross so that you might endure through faith. His life, death, and resurrection stand as the certain seal that God will never abandon his people. That no matter what your circumstances may look like, you can always trust the one who did not spare his own son and that those who trust in him will never be put to shame. As we close... I hope to go out, encouraged to persevere and endure in our faith wherever we are and whatever we face and whoever we are. Give the writer of Hebrews the last word as we move into chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Would you pray with me? Father, would you fix our eyes on you? Would you fix our eyes on that which is above, on that which is eternal? And would you strengthen us by your Spirit to live lives of faith? Lord, would you make us, men and women, that down the road others will look at and be encouraged to endure in their faith as they watch and see your faithfulness to us. Draw us near to yourself, Lord. Would you, who grant faith, preserve our faith, and hold us fast, that we might not fall.
pray these things in the name of your Son, Christ. Amen.